Welcome. You are listening to Mountain View Scattered. This is an audio companion to our weekly church gatherings. It is a way to stay connected while you are away and to learn more about our community, how we can best reach and serve it. I'm your host, Wade. Last week we looked at the petition that is something that we're asking for, something that we're coming to God with, that um, we were petitioning God, asking Him that He would give us our daily bread. And we looked at the depths of what that meant. That it takes, uh, well, our neighbors, right? It takes our town, it takes supply and food chains and all this kind of good stuff. And that all of these things, as complex as they are, are a good gift from God our Father. And we were also reminded that sometimes it takes us, specifically, to make sure that our neighbors are receiving their daily bread. Um, Right now, uh, one of our members of our congregation is in a tight spot. In a tough spot. And over here on this table to the right for you um, is a place where we can put her daily bread, something to help her meet her physical needs while she's in limbo between two places. All right? So that table is there. It'll probably be there next week. Yeah, it'll be there next week as well. And I think that we're going to make that an ongoing thing, that that table is just going to be there to put stuff on that people might need. All right? And so anyone can take part in receiving from that or giving to that table. This week, we're talking about something else. Forgiveness. Rather that we are forgiven and we are forgiving as Christians. Or are we? We looked at a couple of weeks ago, I know it's small, forgive me, uh, the differences between Matthew's Lord's Prayer and Luke's Lord's Prayer Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Luke keeps it short. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Or Luke says, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. We can look at the next two over the next two over the next week. But this week, we just want to look at what Jesus is saying here in this part of the Lord's Prayer. It's interesting, isn't it, that he uses two words, sin, in one time teaching this prayer, and then he used the word debt in another time teaching this prayer. That's a good observation to make, and it's a question that we should ask ourselves, why would he use two different words? But not only that, Matthew says, as we have forgiven our debtors, and Luke says, as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. That's a big statement that Jesus is making there. And that's what we need to look at today. So in order to do that, let's just have a big idea to guide us a little bit. Jesus forgives us and expects us to extend forgiveness. Jesus forgives us and expects us to extend forgiveness. 
That's our big idea for today. Let me pray for us. Lord, as we draw near to You through Your Word, we ask that Your Spirit would crush us with the weight of our failure and lift us up with the forgiveness that we have in Christ. We ask too, Heavenly Father, that You would be continually shaping each of us into the kind of people who willingly, who willingly give forgiveness to those that have sinned against us. In Jesus' name, Amen. What has someone done to you that you cannot forgive them for? What has someone done to you that you cannot forgive them for? There's got to be that thing, right? That one thing that was so out of line, that was said so poorly, that one touch that was so wrong, that there's no way I am ever forgiving that person. Or maybe you're blanking right now. You can't think of what that could be. What's the one thing that you have done that you know you cannot be forgiven for? What's the one thing that you've done that you cannot be forgiven for? Because that's where our text meets us today. Our text today meets us to say, those questions are the wrong questions. One famous children's author always says, you're asking the wrong questions. There are ways that we fail to forgive too, aren't there? Um, like withholding forgiveness from someone. Someone comes to us and they say, ah, oh, you know, I'm so sorry for doing this. Will you forgive me? But usually, let's be honest, people just say, I'm sorry. And then they let it hang. And they just wait for you to forgive them. <laughs> They're daring you to forgive them for what they've done for you. One, what they've done to you. And we withhold it. We say no. When that person's really sorry, that's when I'll forgive them. Or maybe we fail to forgive by counting every wrong thing that is done to us. Right? I do this. Someone does something wrong once and I say, that's it? No, it's fine. Don't worry about it. I don't say I forgive you. I say, no, don't worry about it. And then the next time, no, don't worry about it. And then the next time, I say, that was three. Three strikes and you're out. <laughs> I say, four, five, six. I'm keeping that list. Or sometimes, you know what we do? We promise forgiveness, but we never actually get it. That's the beautiful thing about Jesus, especially as we studied in Mark's gospel last. Every time someone came to him, oftentimes before they even spit the words out of their mouth, Jesus said, you are forgiven. Jesus never says, 
when you're truly, 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 utterly, completely, heartfeltly, from the inside out, sorry, then you'll be forgiven. Sometimes we just refuse to seek forgiveness for something, don't we? There's something that we know, it's that thing, it's that thing, oh man, this person could never forgive me, I'm I'm just actually not going to speak to them again. Or oftentimes, for us that know Christ as our Savior, there's this truth that we have received forgiveness in full and we're so unwilling to put any of that forgiveness back out into the world. Jesus tells a great story about this in Matthew's Gospel. If I can find it. (laughs) I just need a couple more pieces of paper up here. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Oh, good. Peter counted to seven and now he's willing to forgive and And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. What? That's an impossible thing that Jesus is asking of Peter. Isn't it? That's that's quite literally an impossible thing that Jesus is asking of Peter. And then he tells a story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. This is where this idea of debt is coming in here, okay? So let's pay attention to that. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Okay, this would be like someone coming to you. Let's magically say that you had enough money to buy, I don't know, like a whole big block of of flats down at the beach house. And a Ferrari, okay? <laughs> and you, this guy borrowed that much from this king. And he didn't pay it back. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and the payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity, the master of the servant released him and said, fine, pay me back when you can. No. He released him and forgave his debt. Now that same servant went out. And he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. A loaf of bread, let's say. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and wept and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, 
I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Jesus actually just preached the whole sermon for me. That's a hard story to hear, isn't it? That's a hard story to hear. If we take that with our text from today, if we take that with any number of other texts, and Tara and I were talking about this last night, the Ladies' Bible Study series in 1, 2, and 3, John, is very similar. John echoes this over and over and over again. I think in each chapter of 1 John, he says something similar to this. And yet, John in 1 John chapter 2 also says this, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Or in 1 John 2.2, 2, He is the, propi- the propitiation, the payment for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Or we could go through Romans, and we could honestly read all of Romans. But Romans 5.1, Therefore, since you have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Or Romans 5.9, Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. There is therefore, Romans 8.1, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In Romans 10.10, For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. In all of these texts, we're seeing something come up. And that is that Christ's blood covers over our sins. This word justified, we've talked about this word a lot, we've already confessed it together this morning, means to be made right. To be made right in God's eyes. That's why we confess together that He takes our filthy rags and He gives us His righteous robes. So that when the Father looks at us, He sees only His Son, Jesus. And so for you and me, Christian, who so often withhold our forgiveness, keep back what it is that God has given to us, you do have an advocate. You have been made right. And you are forgiven. Though, Jesus pushes us forward to say, 
because you have experienced this forgiveness, you too should be forgiving. One theologian says it this way, those who hope for God's forgiveness must be able to tell Him that they too have forgiven their debtors. And just one more note on this word debt. We got a picture of it in that parable of the, uh, I forget what it's called, <laughs> in, that, in that parable of the unjust servant, right? And yet, why is it a debt? Why, why do we talk about this in, in the terms of debt in the Lord's Prayer? Well, we talk about this in terms of debt because our sin has left a hole in essence. And it's a hole that we can't fill up. In fact, Jesus tells another story, or rather the Gospels tell a story of something that happened with Jesus and a rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Which we've talked about this in Mark's Gospel. His first thing that he says is, what must I do an action to inherit. To inherit something means having done nothing and receiving it anyway. He says, what must I do to get something that I can't earn? What does Jesus say to him? How are you doing with the law? And the audacity of this young man is to say, I've kept it all. Every single last drop of law I've kept more than that ever since I was young he says I've reached that higher life I have attained it I'm there what does Jesus say okay go do the one thing that you can't do give it all up really Jesus could have also said to him, okay, good, you've done good works. Give it all up. Not just the bad stuff that you've done, not even the stuff that you think you need to be forgiven for, but all of the good things that you have done that are outside of faith. Get rid of them. What does Paul tell us? That all of our righteousness, that is, the way that we view ourselves, all the good things that we think that we've done to earn our inheritance, it's like throwaway filthy rags that could never get washed clean. That's what he says to the rich young ruler. Okay, good. You've repented of all the bad things you've ever done. Now repent of all the good things that you've ever done. Because even your good things are as filthy as rags. Christian, for you and me, outside of Christ, those things that we do, those things that we do with just that hint of, okay, I know this person's never going to forgive me. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy them a box of chocolates and some flowers, and I'm going to go clean their house, and I'm going to go, uh, you know, f I don't know, put new tires on their car, and then maybe one day they'll forgive me for what I've done. Now, that might not actually be a bad idea, okay? <laughs> but, but, those things don't make you forgiven. When it comes to our faith, those things do not make you 
forgiven. Jesus forgives you. Jesus makes you justified in right, in righteous, in God's eyes. He makes you forgiven. For those who hope for God's forgiveness must be able to tell Him that they too have forgiven their debtors. This is not a matter of earning forgiveness by works, but of qualifying for it by repentance. Repentance, that is to change your mind, makes mercy and patient self-control central, the center of one's new life in Christ. Those who live by God's forgiveness should imitate it, should do what he does. One whose only hope is that God will not hold his faults against him forfeits his right to hold others' faults against them. Do as you would be done by is the rule that's taking place here. And the unforgiving Christian brands himself a hypocrite. It is true that forgiveness is by faith in Christ alone, apart from works. But repentance is faith's fruit. And there is no more reality in a profession of faith than there is then there is reality of repentance accompanying it. If I were to give a little bit more context to those uh, quotations from 1 John. This message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. For if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we withhold forgiveness, when we run away from asking for forgiveness, when we promise forgiveness, never really with the goal of giving it to anyone, when we hoard forgiveness from God and decide not to send that forgiveness back out into the world or toward our neighbor. We, as John says in the next verse, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So, in this Lord's Prayer, when we say, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, or and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. 
It's like each and every other petition that we've seen. This is a work that God is doing in His world and in our lives to shape us into the people that He wants us to be and to shape this world into the place that it will one day be again. Um, if you follow news or... Ugh, There was this thing that happened about a year ago. Now, this is from America. Forgive me. It's just been in the news this past week. Um, the, uh, there's a police officer. And this police officer was coming home one evening. She lived in a block of flats. And she went to the wrong floor, the wrong story. And so when she walked into her apartment, it wasn't her apartment, but it was someone else's. And yet, as a white female police officer, she walked into her apartment and saw two younger black men. And as is a history of things that take place in America, she decided that these two black men, because they were in her apartment, were intruders. And she started shooting. And she killed one of them. Only then to realize that that young man's brother, who was in the room, was not sitting on any of her furniture, but that she was on the wrong story of the block of apartments. This past week, she was sentenced, and this has been a real uh, hot topic in America because of issues of race and issues of police violence and all kinds of things. And yet this is what this brother of the young man that was killed um, had to say about this female police officer. I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I, see, I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do and the best would be give your life to Christ I don't know if this is possible but can, can I give her a hug please please yes Former Dallas police officer was sentenced to 10 years in prison on Wednesday after a jury convicted her of murder for shooting and killing her upstairs neighbor when she walked into the wrong apartment. The jury had a choice um, of up to 99 years to sentence this woman. Her name was Geiger, is Geiger. Um, 
Again, the brother said, in case it was not understandable, I personally want the best for you. I don't even want you to go to jail. I love you as a person and don't wish anything bad for you. Afterwards, the judge came down from the stand and said to the woman, Trust in the Lord. I believe in Christ. The judge told her, told a tearful Miss Geiger with emotion, You haven't done so much that you cannot be forgiven. You did something bad one moment in time. What you will do after this is what really matters. And she handed a Bible to Miss Geiger as she was carted off to prison. That, right there, is a beautiful picture of what someone who has received forgiveness from Christ does. It's a hard picture. That's 77 times, right? That's 70 times 7. That's hard to comprehend for me. The hard part is that Miss Geiger still had to suffer the consequences of her sin, did she not? Just like each and every one of us have to face up to in this world. We do things wrong. And yet, even when we're forgiven in the here and the now, we cannot stop some of the events that are put into motion that change people's lives, that change our lives, that make us suffer under our reliance upon our sin and ourselves. And yet there is a day coming. There is a day coming when we do not need to suffer under the consequences of our sin anymore. And when the fullness of our forgiveness in Christ will be truly felt forever with Him. So, for each of you, that knows Christ as their Savior, and for each of you that relies upon the repentance as a fruit um, of the gift of faith given to you through Christ, in Christ, I want you to know that Christ speaks to you every time you go to Him in confession, and He says to you, you are forgiven. Let me pray. Father God, because of your Son's blood, you do not place any, you do not place on any of us our sin or the eternal punishment that we deserve for it. Instead, he takes every bit of horrible, grabbing, clawing evil that clings to us and places it upon His own shoulders. He becomes our sin for us and gives us His righteousness. God, as You lead us to forgive those around us, we ask that You would show every evidence of grace in our lives so that we will be pushed further into a full determination to forgive our neighbors with our whole hearts.
and tell them of the fullness and beauty of your forgiveness, which saves them and makes them at peace with you forever. Amen. Thanks for listening. And remember that you were brought into the church by the saving work and person of Jesus. Also, that you are sent out to tell everyone about him. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode of Mountain View Scattered.